Are you ready for the greatest show in fantasy football history hosted by the incomparable Scott Connor and the one and only Ray GQ? I present to you Destination Chill, where football and fantasy collide. Let's get it! November 1st, G-E-G-P. Good evening, good people. Welcome in. This is Destination Chill, hosted by yours truly, Ray G, and my man, my brother from another mother. Got a little less melanin in his skin, but Scott Connor is my mother effing dog. Scott, at Charles Chill FFB on Twitter. It's going to be a good one, baby. It's going to be a good one. Scott, it's been a long day, man. You and I, we, we talk normally a lot every single day. We've barely spoken today. We've barely spoken. I've been on the go. I'm hungry. It's cold as shit outside. But you know what? We're here talking Dynasty 2024 class, how it intertwines with a wild 2023 season. And it seems like people are here and they are excited. So once I see that, all the tiredness, all the hunger, it goes out of the building for a little bit because I'm just so pumped to do this show with the people who tap in every single every single Wednesday. And then you, my friend, just getting a chance to chop it up with you every single week. I enjoy this, man. I enjoy this. So hopefully y'all are uh, tapped in, locked in. I need y'all participating in the comments hollering at us, share this on Twitter, tell your friends to come in, gain some of this knowledge. Let's get better at Dynasty. Scott, how you doing tonight, baby? I'm good. I'm excited to talk some 24 class. And it just so anytime Halloween gets here and passes and I look on the calendar and it's November, when I think of November, I start thinking Thanksgiving. I start thinking college football, conference title games, bowl games, which then leads into draft season, prospect season. So we're not going to probably go through every single player because it's still too early to say for sure what that's going to look like. But the whole point, if anyone saw the thumbnail, was the 24 class and just kind of where that puzzle piece is going to fit with what we're trying to navigate right now in Dynasty. So I'm excited to chop it up. I think it's a... It's a needed show, and it's one that I even texted you we can revisit in a couple months and go, damn, Ray, you really said that, and now it's January, and we're saying something totally different? Because there's still a half a season to go. There's still a whole veteran landscape of players that you know, could or could not fade away, You know, given where you're at. But yeah, I'm excited to chop it up on this topic. This should be a fun one, and it's early enough that we can speculate, but it's close enough where we have to start talking about it. Well, Scott, real quick before we get into it, we're waiting a couple of minutes for some more people to get in the building. We're at that point in the dynasty season, Scott, where literally like your team, you you know if you're a contender or you're not. You know if you're out of it. You know if you're in it. So for those people who are out of it, Scott, and they are trying to figure out how to uh, to get better for next year, roster reviews, quick pitch for roster reviews. Scott, what are you and Shane doing with these? Where can people find you guys at and get those rosters reviewed? Yeah, so you see on the screen, roster reviews, uh, email, Dynasty Trades in 5, and roster review at DynastyTradesIn5.com, and then you can check it out on the website. Basically, a roster review, you submit your team, you fill out uh, a pretty comprehensive form, and you get feedback on what to do with your team. There's different options. Uh, people have seen, that have tuned into Trades in 5, you've seen the Shane and I do the roster reviews. You get some form or fashion of that, uh, but you also can get a private session with us where we sit down for an hour, go through your team. Uh, We have a lot of the tools now that we can go through and use and actually highlight like how we would assess your team. But the more importantly, you get an hour of our time to do it. I mean, you and I, we get a lot of questions and a lot of times we can't spend that 
we can give you a minute right in the discord mm -hmm. or you know over a live stream or whatever but this is a true like dedicated this is what we would do with your team and people always leave those with damn you know that humbling but also like sometimes i wouldn't have looked at it that way because yeah. it's not it's not my team bro like as much as i want to say hey go win not every team that people come to us with are teams where it's like go win if, if anything it's the other way it's seeing another set of eyes to help you read the room and really point you in the right direction so that's what you get check it out go back scan that code or email inquire and you'll get the options uh, sent to you there there it is and that's one of the things that we really were were focused on when we partnered together dynasty trades and five destination Devi, making that be a focal point of what we do we talk so much about construction we talk so much about devies and rookies we've got a bunch of new tools we talk in war we talk this we talk trinity but ultimately you got to have your damn roster in shape to use those things to compete so make sure you check that out but scott we got people in the building now make sure y'all hit that thumbs up button like subscribe content 2024 class. Uh, Scott, you said you had a little something for me before we got into it. So uh, I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you take the take the stage and, and, and pop off with what you wanted to say before we got going. Yeah, so we're going to start a, a new segment. And tonight I'm going to kick it off with before we get into the topic of the evening, which we do want everybody in the chat to engage, ask questions. You know, Ray's going to be running the board where if there's anything interesting that we think we can turn into a talking point, he'll throw it up there with comments and whatnot. Super chats are welcome. So if you want to throw those in there, you won't get to those before the end of the stream. But hey man, it's going to be chat. super chat this shit. Y'all super chat trades in five all day, man. Send them super chats in. Let's go, man. We need that. We need that $11. Let's go, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So anyone's heard the segment of the, uh, would you rather and this is going to be a, a kind of a spin off of that and the only thing i can think of maybe we'll reform this if it become a, a little bit of a cooler name but it's going to be would you ever from a dynasty perspective and it's just going to be ray would you ever and when i spe speak of would you this is going to be the masses okay. so anybody out there some people may say yes some people may say no but it, in dynasty would you ever x the okay. phrase and that's going to lead into a question and a topic that we can hit on just for five ten minutes before we get into the 2024 class so i'll start i thought of probably five or six of them but i don't want to ask all of them in one show so this one pertinent for this week i think very polarizing at the same time with where the qb landscape is if we said points per game right now qb one on the season i know it's a small sample size <laughs> by over seven points per game ray Will okay. Levis is QB1 in Dynasty for the season in points per game. Now, it's one game. There's probably regression, but it was such a good game that if he just has a couple average games, all of a sudden we start looking up and going, damn, you know, through four or five games, he's still in the top five, given what he's capable of. Ray, would you ever pay a random, and we'll make it 2024 because that's the topic, a random 2024 first-round pick for will levis would you pay that or would anybody pay that so floor is yours what do you think you talked me through it a little bit before we started but i want to hear it yeah um will levis what do you have four touchdowns in that game versus atlanta d hop caught three nick westbrook candidate caught one of them and the only passes we saw from that game were the touchdown passes on the highlight reel would 
you ever pay, would somebody ever pay a 24 first for him right now? Absolutely. I think there's no doubt that people right now um, in Dynasty coming off of the game that he just had in a QB landscape right now, Scott, that is, I don't know, it doesn't feel very good. I'll just tell you that. When you look across the board, even if they're starting quarterbacks, do you feel do you feel great about Taylor Heineke? How do you feel about Geno Smith week to week? Brock Purdy's been up and down. Dak Prescott, like the list goes on. Jordan Love, Derek Carr. All those guys could have sporadic moments, but by and large, the QB position this season has been very volatile, even with some of the big-name stars. I mean, Jay Rich put a short out the other day. Damn, Tommy DeVito outscored Patrick Mahomes. I didn't even fact-check that, but is that true? So when you're thinking about the quarterback position this season, yes, I do believe that people would pay a random 24 first right now for the hype, the enthusiasm, the youth of Will Levis. I'll say this. I watched that game back, Scott, not just the four touchdown passes. I went and watched my boy D-Bro. That's my dog, man. That D-Bro, Derrick Brown, Fantasy Pros, that's my dog. He hit me up. Ray, did you check the tape on Will Levis? I said, D-Bro, I have not watched the tape yet. I said, watch it. Give me your thoughts. I watched the condensed game, hit him back, and we were hand in, hand in the glove. Like, uh, I wasn't that impressed, man. Like, I really wasn't. I, I, the four touchdown passes were awesome. I think the arm talent is there, but I, I walked away thinking like, okay, I, I, I would be more inclined to sell you my Will Levis for 24 first than I would be to go buy him right now. If you're asking me personally, not what the masses would do, I would rather sell you my Will Levis for 24 first than pay one to buy him right now after that one game. I got to see a little bit more, man. I walked away and I just... I thought it was fine. Like, I'm not taking anything away from the throws that he made, the arm talent, the velocity, all of that's there. But that's the same shit we've been known about Will Levis since prior to his final season at Kentucky. So I wasn't shocked that he could make a throw across his body. Like, had you not watched any football from Kentucky? Like, he can throw anywhere with the best of them. I mean, Scott, you pay attention to Kentucky more than anybody that I know. I mean, he's a top five arm talent in the league right now. He can make every single throw there is. But I would be more inclined to sell you my Levis than pay a first for him. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I do think, I mean, I'm reading the chat as you're talking. And 99% of the comments have been, we had some no's. We had some no, no, no's. We had some hell no's. We had some basically a bunch of there's no chance, right? And I, I think a lot of people without saying it are saying only one game, too small of a sample size. If it... Because I can paint the hypothetical scenario where had that been Bryce Young after his first game, wheels are up, man, right? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, my yeah. gosh. Four touchdowns in his first game and looked like electric arm. I mean, unattainable. We can go back to just this year, a year ago. I'm looking at keep trade cut right now, Ray. Another quarterback that nobody liked at all had – Really, three good games from a fantasy perspective, but two really good games from a quote-unquote NFL perspective to start this season and vaulted up, and I think maybe you even had been bought in a little bit, vaulted up inside the top 12 quarterbacks in Dynasty after two games and now has started to fall back a little bit. Any idea who I'm talking about? You know that name pops into your head? Jordan Love. That Jordan Love, people were paying, people were throwing around first plus for Jordan Love, and that's a guy that I don't think had any better pedigree than Will Levis, really. I mean, yeah, he was a little bit higher of a pick, like six picks higher, but waited three years. He wasn't a name people liked. Right. 
So, so what is the difference there between? And I think they're probably, I think they're a similar age I got too. A good like answer for you. I what, got a what, good. Well, I got a good answer for you. Go ahead, finish. It, finish the setup, though. Is there? Is that an example of two players that I think probably have fairly similar outcomes, right? And is that an example of maybe a little bit of just bias from where they started to where they ended up? And do you think Jordan Love got the benefit of the doubt because he was a Packers QB and he followed the Packers situation where it was like, man, because all you heard was, man, the Packers might have hit on another QB, damn. And then now you look at it, and, I mean, has Jordan Love been impressive the last five weeks? No, he hasn't. I mean, if anything, you're starting to sit there and go, man, I'm not sure about Jordan Love past this year, which would have been crazy to talk about that a month ago. So I'm I'm curious, what what is the difference between the two? Because I think if you said I'm paying – Jordan Love prices for Will Levis, which is QB 18 to 24 range. It's not crazy to send a first, but I understand why the masses would go, hell no, that's not where I'm spending my pick. Yeah, it's too, it's too recent, man. It's Jordan Love sat for so long that even whatever stink was on him at the time that he got drafted kind of dissipated, man, out of sight, out of mind. He sat on the bench for three years. People kind of forgot. Then we start to tell ourselves a story that he had to learn through osmosis, right? that sitting behind Aaron Rodgers, he had to have picked it up. Give Will Levis, if, if the same type of thing happened to Will Levis, I guarantee you two and a half years from now, had he not really played much of anything, and when he came in, he made a couple of flash throws, people would be in on him. It's too recent, man. People did not like Will Levis coming out. Then he didn't get the draft capital. I, I think that's really what it is. It is bias. And my response and answer to your question about would I pay a 24 first with Will Levis had absolutely nothing to do with any bias or any. It's literally, I just want to see him do it again. If he showed some competency over the next couple of weeks, three weeks, something like that, it doesn't even have to be a full season. I'd feel more, I'd feel more confidence on either side of the of the fence, whether that's buy or sell. But today it would be sell. Two weeks from now, and it doesn't take me. Listen, it ain't going to take me seven, eight weeks to figure out if I want to invest in a player or not. Like, I could, after a couple of weeks, you should know. About a month, you should know whether you're in or out on a player. Has nothing to do with my like or dislike. I liked Will Levis quite a bit coming out. I thought he had all the physical tools to be a successful NFL quarterback. I know a lot of the passing efficiency guys hated him. That's just one part of the equation, man. So, I do believe that there's a there is some room for growth for him and he's going to get better and there's going to be some moments where he can come out next week and stink it up. But I would just caution people not to swing the pendulum too far in either direction. Whether he comes out and flashes again, don't go too crazy or if he stinks it up, like don't forget that he did have a successful first outing. So just be patient with Will Levis. And again, you're asking me, I would be more inclined to sell you my Levis for first than pay. Yeah, the comp that I keep uh, running through my mind, and I just looked up where he peaked at in keep trade cut, which you know actually goes back three and a half years. I didn't even realize it's gone back that far. But this guy peaked at QB twelve back in October of twenty twenty. So think back three years from now, or three years ago, October of twenty twenty. This QB peaked at QB twelve. He was basically handed a starting job at during his rookie year, and we. Got excited for him going into his second year, and he faded and fell back, and now he's a current backup in the NFL. Any clue who I'm thinking of here? Any name pop in mind? And I think actually the the physical comp 
probably is very comparable to Will Levis, and they got drafted in a very similar range. This guy was drafted a little bit after where Levis was, but I think it's an apt comparison. If you just use the historical trajectory, I think it could look very similar. Any names pop into your head? Let's see how good old Ray G is. I, I missed the first part of the setup because I was reading this question. I started this question. So to be fair, I missed the first part of the setup. So I was going to just say, I don't know, tell me. But now since you put my knowledge to the test, re-ask it so I can answer this right. What is it? Now give All me right. the first part of it. I'm going to ask it and we'll see if anybody in the chat can get it because I have not seen the name in there. But this is a former second round pick. Mm -hmm. that started at the end of his rookie year and went mm -hmm. into his sophomore year as the starter. He peaked at QB 20 back in October of 2020 and has since kind of fizzled out, changed teams, and is now a current backup. And I see the answer just posted in there by Cole World. I, did, I think I did, that's I a did, fair comp I to Will Levis. So, okay, okay. I didn't look. I did not look. Drew Locke, good job. Good job. That's good stuff. People saying Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's the first first overall pick. What the hell are you talking about, Cody? Yeah, first yeah Drew, Drew Locke. But yeah. it didn't take much for – and if you remember you, you're watching film or assessment on Drew Locke, I, I remember texting with you about Drew Locke back in 2020. You were really never impressed with him. No. So I, I kind of wonder if that could be a similar trajectory for Levis, but it's the current version, and it's very interesting that Drew Locke was – peaked at QB 12. I don't know if that spoke to the quarterback landscape then versus now, but it, it feels like Levis can do just as much as what Drew Locke did, but he's not going to ever really get to that. He needs to do more to really break through a lot of the names that are ahead of him. Yeah, right he, needs to, he needs to find some young Jeezy and wrap that verbatim, and then he'll boost up his uh, <laughs> he'll boost up his value. Real, real quick, though, yeah, for, yeah, don't forget that. Definitely help boost his stock. But let me, <laughs> let me touch on this quick, and then let's get into 24. So, Colin says price goes up if he does it again. Here's why I don't care about that. Price in Dynasty right now, it goes up and down weekly. Like, I don't care about that. Yep, if he does it again, it'll skyrocket up. And you know what happens? If he plays two bad quarters, it'll plummet right back down. So, to me, the market and price and the fluctuation in prices in Dynasty right now, irrelevant. Like, I don't even care. I, the one thing that I can guarantee everybody watching the stream or listening back on it there will be moments in time where you can buy or sell any damn player in Dynasty that you want. Every last one of them. Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, A.J. Brown, you name it. There will be moments where you can buy those guys at an obtainable price. Like, I don't care if it goes up next week. Will Levis goes out there, literally throws two interceptions. His stock goes right back down to the floor. Look at what's happening with Brock Purdy right now after three games. So, I don't really... If he does it again, good for it. Even better. I'll just stay away even further. Like, it just makes me not want to buy even more. But let's get into the 24 conversation, Scott. Let's get in here and talk 2024. Well, where are we taking this conversation? Because it's not going to be a show where we just, who are the top five running backs? Who are the top quarterbacks? Who are the top receivers? Y'all know that ain't what we finna do. Y'all know Scott doesn't give a damn about player names in the first place. Outside of certain names, we, we approach this game very Player name agnostic. Like, I'm following a process. I'm trusting things. The names mean something as far as the market, but uh, sure, I'll have preferences of the top couple of guys and some shots. But overall, I'm looking at the strength of the class. But where do you want to take this 24 puzzle piece conversation in relation to 2023? All right, so let's knock out the ugly part first because we had a brief conversation this morning about running backs in voice chat. So let's just start there. Let's talk about the running back class 
which if you just search 2024 running back class, you're going to get 90%. Uh, not sure. Don't know who the RB1 is. Not a good class, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I think you probably agree with that. I'll let you speak for yourself when you get the answer, but I think you probably agree that it's a underwhelming running back class to say the least. But I think the more important thing and the reason why we had the graphic up that we did is how does next year's running back class, that section of what we're going to consider to be the the class where we equate those to rookie picks, how does that fit into the running back landscape, which our conversation for those that weren't in it this morning was – damn, do we really care about any running back value aside from Gibbs, Bijan, Brees Hall? Let's just use those three names. Everybody else, the consensus was basically, what can you do for me right now? And if you can't do anything for me right now, I'll just reassess next next year. And that includes some of the guys that are free agents. You know, Pollard, Josh Jacobs, a lot of those names where are they going to disappear off the NFL landscape? No. But is certainly, if they're not helping me right now, really what value do you assign to them knowing there's such a good free agent class next year? There's going to be a lot of moving parts. And then you add in a rookie class where I don't expect many, if any, rookies to be in the conversation with a lot of those free agent roundtable guys that we've seen in here already. So how, how do you look at this class that's underwhelming? This is not a, a Gibbs, Bijan, A-Chain class coming in. And I know that's hindsight to say A-chain, but you get the point. Like, I don't see any of these rookie running backs just jumping right into the top five, top ten. So how do you kind of perceive the class, given the market at running back already is like, dude, if you can't help me in the next year, I really don't even want to bother having running backs on my roster. So how do you see those fit together? Yeah, I think um, the running back class, I'll, I'll say this. While I do not believe that there are any running backs in this class of the caliber of Jameer Gibbs or Bijan Robinson. And by that has nothing to do with their, I guess it does, but capital. Yes. Like there's, there's capital is not happening, right? Not a first round running back. If you had to guess, not a chance, not, I would put a, I would put a substantial amount of money that we will, we will not see a first round running back. And I'm struggling to think if we'll even see one go top 50 right now. I believe that this class is, filled with complimentary players. And I want to caution people on completely dismissing the class because we're in a league now where think about the conversation around Bijan Robinson going into last week. Is Bijan a bust? Why isn't he getting the ball? He's nowhere close to RB1. Only if he scored this many touchdowns. Like they're, they're, People were already starting to get skittish on Bijan Robinson. But you look at the situations that are happening with running backs around the league, Scott, and if people cannot wrap their heads around the fact that th- the league is run, it's turning into a committee. That's just what it is. You can call it a committee. You can call it 1A, 1B. But teams are deploying multiple running backs across the landscape, everywhere. Outside of a couple of teams and a handful of players, multiple running backs will be used. And we have to just, as much as we enjoy what's happening with Jameer Gibbs right now, you know what happens when Monty comes back? Uh, he's going to get the ball and probably get the ball a lot. That doesn't mean Jameer Gibbs is going to go to dust, but teams are deploying multiple weapons. So while there is no Jameer Gibbs, Bijan Robinson in this class, and I can say that with 1,000% confidence, there are none of those guys in this class. I do think there are going to be a quite a few players that step into situations where they're the RB2 
and there are they are much better options than what we were trying to peg Chase Brown and Evan Hall and all these other guys, Roshan Johnson, into these RB2 roles. There will be a lot of nice complimentary players that you can get in the second or third round of rookie drafts, but I do not believe today we will see a running back. As we sit today right now, hard-pressed for me to believe that we're taking one inside the top six, seven in rookie drafts. Hell, maybe I'm trying to be con- I'm trying to be conservative here. I really want to say even in the first round, it's hard for me to see that with with what else is in this class. I think it's fair to look at this year's second tier of running backs, which started with A Chain, Charbonnet, Kendra Miller, Tank Bigsby, Roshan Johnson. A lot of those guys went between pick fifty and pick one twenty five in the NFL draft. And I think we looked at all of those guys as they're very situation dependent and it let's be honest the ones that have produced or the ones that have gotten opportunity a lot of that can just be luck right sometimes you land in a spot where the team already has two guys like kendra miller and now you're sitting and going okay it doesn't mean he's any better or worse but his individual situation did not lend to think he is going to get an early opportunity now Opportunity is earned, too. You can also argue if he was just better or just as good and belonged out on the field from day one, he'd be playing. But I don't think you can look at next year and go, man, it didn't work out this year for Tank Bigsby or Zach Charbonnet and say, those types of running backs are shitty. I don't want them. I just think you have to slot them into the right expectation bucket. But there's still going to be a spot, especially if you're going to roster construct with any running back on a 53. And I'll tell you what. It was easy to do it this year. Wait till next year when everybody in your league is doing it. And you have all these good running backs. We talked about it earlier. Jacobs, Pollard, Henry, Barkley. All these guys hitting free agency. Eckler, DeAndre Swift. All these guys hitting the reset button. And here's the thing. How many of those guys go into a committee? How many of those guys go in a spot where you go, damn, you know, DeAndre Swift and this guy are in the same backfield. Like it's anything is possible. And then you insert all these rookies and just think of the name that keeps sticking in my mind. Think of five Zach Charbonnet situations where he goes into a spot, he gets good capital, but there's another guy that's just as good or seen as just as worthy or better right next to him. And you still wanted pieces of those backfields because half of them, the starter is going to get injured, right? And you're going to get a month of spot starts from Zach Charbonnet and he could smash and you're going to go, damn, I wish I would have had more exposure to him. Or you get a tank Bigsby where it's like somehow Travis Etienne doesn't even miss a snap. You want to hear the one you want to hear the one that's going to happen. You want to hear the one that's going to happen and it's going to and people are going to be like what to do. Miami's going to draft one. Watch, watch them, watch them draft. Blake I said Cole, it the other day, right? Trey they're Benson. they're going to draft. They're going to draft. They're going to try to find. Guess what? Another A chain. Mm-hmm. Right, right. They're going to go, man. We need another one Bucky like that. Irving. It's fresh. Somebody, Bucky yep. Irving. They're going to draft one. Mostert's old. Wilson can't stay up. They're going to draft one. And then you got that Devon yep. A chain. And now it's like, what now? What now? And Zach Zach Charbonnet. I would say that if Zach Charbonnet were in twenty twenty four, he'd be the RB one. I, I, I think it would be. As a senior, whatever you want to call it, he would be the RB1 in the class, and I don't think it would be particularly close. And he is pretty good. I think I think if Charbonnet were able to get the work that Kenneth Walker is getting, he'd be just as effective. But Kenneth Walker's good. He's good, too. 
So now you just got two good running backs in a backfield together. And the, the thing that we have to come to terms with in fantasy football is while that's not ideal for us to have two running backs in the same situation, it's like perfect for an NFL team. It's perfect. Scott, I coach my son's baseball team. I'm friends. My, my brother-in-law's coaching his son's football team. And we sit there and he, I asked him the other day, he's like, man, I got like three running backs I can play. Like, this is awesome. I can, I can roll out three guys. You don't think NFL teams are thinking, man, we got two dope running backs that we can deploy week in and week out. And as much as we don't like Arthur Smith, he's probably thinking Algier serves a role. He doesn't give a shit about the EPA or fantasy points. He's like, look, this guy could slam it up the gut, catch a couple of passes, take some pressure off of our young running back. Like they're going to continue to do this. I don't know why people have not under have not come to terms with the fact that this is how it's happening. This is the way of the NFL. It's happening in college football right now. These players aren't even built the same way to handle that type. They're not, they, they're not built to handle the work. They're, they, they, they're not doing it anymore. They're not doing it in high school. They're not having to do it in college. And what makes you think that they're going to come into the NFL and week in and week out, you're going to be able to load them up with 25-plus attempts? You know who I did see do it in college? I saw Frank Gore. I watched him do it at Miami. I watched Derrick Henry get 30 carries in the Iron Bowl and turn around the very next week in the damn SEC title game and get loaded up with another 39 rush attempts. I've seen those kind of guys do it. These cats now, they're coming into the league career high, 21 touches in a game, 17 touches in a game, never eclipsed 30 touches and opportunities in any collegiate game. They're not built that way. Yes, Jameer Gibbs had a big monster performance and a big workload. He's 190-something pounds. Do that too many times and watch what will happen. You just can't do that at that position in the NFL. And don't take my word for it. Austin Eckler talks about it all the time on his podcast with Matt Harmon, how much better he feels when there is a competent number two there to take. Like, they want this. Josh Jacobs, I don't want the ball 350 times. I don't. They want to get paid, y'all. They, they want to get paid. Paid. And you said this today, Scott, it's damned if they do, damned if they don't. You go out there, you run for a lot of yards, you get dinged for having too much work. You don't do it, you you mail it in, you get dinged for not being able to finish. So it's a it's a very tough position. But overall, this 24 running back class, while it is not a strength by any stretch of the imagination, I do think there will be opportunities to grab some of these players later on in rookie drafts. I don't think you have to reach at this point in time, but they will be nice little complimentary pieces and more so than anything than scoring points on your roster. What they are are attractive pieces for somebody else to buy off of you. And that's why I love them. Yeah. And I think, like I said earlier, you still have guys like Henry, Jacobs, Barkley, Pollard, Austin Eckler, DeAndre Swift. All those guys are free agents. And that doesn't even include players that could be cut early players that could be moved. So not only do we have this weird conundrum where there's a ton of running backs that are going to be coming in with fresh legs, ready to go into committees, but you have the landscape as it holds right now. We didn't have that this year. You still were able to sit there and look at a lot of these veterans and say, okay, I got one more year to ride it out with Derrick Henry. I got one more year to see what Tony Pollard can do or Austin Eckler can do. All of a sudden, those guys hit the market. And then you're bringing in a bunch of guys like Zach Charbonnet or this year's version of Zach Charbonnet. So I think it's going to be just very critical. And we're not talking specifically the players, but from a value perspective, is it fair to say that you could should kind of go into next year with a conservative approach? 
but also a approach of almost, I'm going to look at it. Here's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to look at next year, very open-minded at the running back position. I know <laughs> there's going to be some spots where I need to take a swing, but I'm also kind of going into next year. Like if I have a team that really doesn't have any stability at running back, I don't care. I feel like I'm going to have opportunity to build a running back room from March to August and I'm just going to have to pick my spots. I'm going to have to buy this veteran in a certain spot. That's the that's the veteran I'm going to double down on his new landing spot. I'm going to have to take a shot in the second round on a couple guys. But really, I'm looking at something in the first round or higher. Like That almost really never comes on my radar from a running back perspective. And I think that's a dose of reality that a lot of people aren't ready for. So, I mean, do you get that same feeling that if you're going into the offseason, like, there's just not a lot of first-round running back assets either – free agents or even guys you would draft. Is that fair? And, and you're talking about first round of a dynasty startup, right? First round of a dynasty no, startup? No. Oh, okay. For a, for a first round rookie pick that I would consider trading for a Tony Pollard or DeAndre oh, Swift or, or drafting a, an RB that goes in the second or third round. It kind of feels like if I have first round capital, I don't even need to really spend it on running backs just because I think there's going to be such a – just a jumbled mess of running backs that I think I can build a a com competitive running back room without spending that capital. What do you think? Here, here's where I'm going to caution people very much so with what you're just saying right now. And this is great because what we're accustomed to doing, right, what we're accustomed to doing is drafting these running backs in the first round of rookie drafts, knowing that we got to have them, right? And everybody's already kind of talking about this 24 class not very good. We're running back averse. But what you also shouldn't do simultaneously is just draft a... That doesn't mean every receiver is all world here, okay? Like, let's let's be very, very clear about this. Like, when we're looking at this class as a whole, absent the quarterbacks, if you told me right now, Scott, if you're like, Ray, how many skill position players are you confident without a shadow of a doubt that you think are not only going to be able to produce, but hold market value in the dynasty community. How many skill position players in general from 2024 are there? Not my hope, not me thinking that if this happens and depending on where Xavier Worthy lands or the, like how many of those guys I actually am just rock solid confident with. And it ain't that many. And I think that's the bigger takeaway that just because there's not a ton of running backs that should be at least right now, projected to go in the first round. That doesn't mean all 12 of those picks at the back half are just rock-solid, locked-and-loaded studs. Like, I do believe, and I said it last year, to me, the cutoff point was like the 108, 109, 110. After that, I would trade every pick I had. I did not care. Give me the Alvin K And I, I was on with Josh Norris. I'm not just saying this shit to say it. I'm like, give me Alvin Kamara over all those guys. Oh, Ray, he's 28. You don't want Chase Brown. You don't want Taj. Give me Alvin Kamara. Give me Joe Mixon. You can have it. You can have the 112. Give me Alvin Kamara. You can have Quentin Johnston. You can have Kendra Miller. Give me Alvin Kamara. It doesn't mean that all the wide receivers are tight ends because somebody's got to get picked at the 110, 111, 112. So just be mindful that, and you talk about this a lot, that War kind of has told us that after like 106, like those picks just kind of really are not impactful. That doesn't mean you can't find an, a, a, you know, an, a Devon A chain or, or a player later on, but just historically, the drop off of fantasy producing talent after that first half of the first round, it significantly tails off. So 
I think we just need to be mindful going into it that it doesn't mean that that wide receiver six is a rock-solid stud either. Well, and as we transition into wide receiver, I think that's the perfect point because I'm looking right now, believe it or not, follow whatever you want to follow, but Mock Draft Database has six receivers, Ray, going in the top 23 picks. <laughs> Everyone knows the name. You got Marv, you got Neighbors, you got Ibuka that people still mock in the top 15 of every yeah. single mock. Uh, Keon Coleman in the top 15, and then you got Roma Dunze and Xavier Worthy both going in the mid first. Now, I'll just say this. If that happens there will be nobody probably taking a running back ahead of those six. Now, there may be one or so that lands in a spot where it's, you know, this year's Quentin Johnston or, you know, I, oh, man, I don't really love that spot. But I think just with where we stand in the current dynasty landscape, we are, and that's just the first round, guys. You know, if some of these guys like Troy Franklin or A.D. Mitchell or one of those guys goes to a great spot in the early second, they're going to be treated like a damn near first rounder. So that's not going to really matter. So I think there's a chance with wide receiver, given how much wide receiver is valued. And we've seen this in the past, but Marv is going to come in. We've already said wide receiver three in Dynasty. Yeah, Hell, yeah, there yeah. may be people that go, I'm taking him over Jefferson or Chase or A.J. Brown. So, I mean, he is going to drag the rest of the wide receiver class higher than probably what they deserve because if he's wide receiver three and you get people like Ray going on pods going, man, you know, the difference between Marv and Malik Neighbors and Keon Coleman is not two firsts worth of value difference. What are people going to do with the wide receiver two and the wide receiver three? Push them up, right? So there's just this vacuum effect where every first-round receiver, every second-round receiver that gets a good spot, seven or eight receivers in the first round of rookie drafts. We haven't even gotten to quarterback yet, which could have the same effect of, damn, there's four or five first-round QBs. So knowing that, do you think there's going to be some poison pills in this receiver class that they just get brought along with the class and all of a sudden well, we're, we're talking in – May or June, and it's Troy Franklin is wide receiver 20 in Dynasty, Ray. And what the hell has he done to even warrant that, you know? So this is a great philosophical conversation, Scott. And I think this is where I don't have all the thoughts formulated out just right. So I'm just going to kind of word vomit it. But we watched what happened with the trade deadline, and we saw players like Trey Young get traded for a second or a third. And we saw Montez Sweat a second round... And we, we, we look at, and I'm just speaking to the fantasy community because that's what my Twitter account is. It's nothing but fantasy analyst. And the, oh my God, I can't believe that's all. That's all they got. That's all they sold for. I think there's a very big difference in how we perceive first rounders, second rounders for fantasy football and how the NFL views those picks and how they move them around. No choir. I mean, Chase Claypool got traded for damn near first round pick. What I think is going to happen is if, let's just say, and I saw, I think Colin put in the in the chat that Brugler's got 11 in the top 50. Let me tell you right now, if that were to, if that were to happen, I guarantee you not all, all 11 of those players, or at least in our example, the six that go in the first round, I guarantee you all six of them aren't drafted to be their team's number one receiver. So what's going to happen is you're going to be like, oh man. Uh, Xavier Worthy gets drafted by Philadelphia in the first round. This like death to Devonta Smith. It's X Worthy now, and 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 that's I don't believe that's the case. Like they, these are pieces, right? The NFL, they're not. Listen, I'm just telling you from what I know. People that I talk to in my very limited 
information that I have from NFL circles, like not every first rounder is billed to be or drafted to be an all pro. Like sometimes they fill a need. We needed a field stretcher. We're going to give this player some opportunity. But if they don't develop into the number one or even the number two, that that's what happens. So I do believe that we are going to propel all of them up. And you're going to see the same thing that happened with JSN, who was valued as a top 10 dynasty asset before he got on the field. He's going to take over for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and he's going to lead the team in targets, receptions, yards, yakking touchdowns. Uh, and I'm not, being, I'm not being sarcastic here. That was narrative around JSN coming into the season. I think there are a handful of those guys, and right now I would say like really the only one that I see walking in as the guy is Marvin Harrison Jr., that's it. Keon Coleman, love him. Love me some league neighbors. But I do not believe that the moment they're drafted, they are stepping in to a starters-type role or at least opportunity. Now, that doesn't mean they can't work that, work that out for themselves, but not every player is drafted to be the dominant, it's all about him, that's the guy. Some players, are role, some players fit a need for a team. Some players fit a need for a team. And, they, and then they don't develop into that. So we just have to be mindful of that when we're making these selections because once you press draft, who's the best player in the league? The guy that you drafted. They're the most valuable. They have the most upside because you drafted them, right? So they've got all the upside in the world, but that's just not the case. It's not reality. It's not reality. Well, I'm sitting here thinking about what you just said, and, and I guarantee if that happens, someone said in the chat, if there's six receivers that go in the top 23, nobody will be using a first-round rookie pick on a running back. It will be, I just got to take that receiver because they're a first-round pick. But then you sit here and you go, all right, Bengals could replace Higgins with another receiver, right? Dallas mm -hmm. could draft a receiver. Mm -hmm. Detroit could draft a receiver. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, the Jets could draft a receiver. All yes. of a sudden, you got it. They need got, one. <laughs> they need you one. Got top, you have top 10 or better receivers where you, you could see those four teams right there that I just mentioned drafting another Jordan Addison, right? They're, they're drafting him to be the complement to the number one that they already have. And yet you're going to say, let's say that's Emeka Buka goes to the Jets, okay? Something like that. Right there, you're having to make a decision, right? Do you want to rank him as your wide receiver 18 in Dynasty right off the rip because his no. draft capital says, damn, he's a first-round pick, and that's just where he's going to slot in? Because you're, you're going to get to a point in the wide receiver landscape where you start going through... Uh, DK Metcalf, Brandon Ayuk, DJ Moore. People are going to put the rookie over those guys, you know, because mm -hmm. it's just the, they're the new toy. They're who everybody wants to have because they're the exciting new rookie coming in. And we did that a little bit this year, and it was hit or miss. But we always push these guys up to a point where it's like, damn, if he's already a top 20 receiver off the board in startups, you better be right. And And you also know what happens when they start their career like a JSN or a Quentin Johnston. Like, we don't have time in the dynasty space right now for eight weeks of they're not startable. At that point, you're, I mean, you've already heard the JSN re-roll theory on JSN, yes. right? Man, if I can re-roll JSN for Keon Coleman, I would do it. It's like, are you just re-rolling into <laughs> potentially the same exact the same thing, thing next year, right? Yeah. So and I think every, we're... we're and, and every team, Scott, I'm looking at the top 18. Every last team projected to draft inside the top 18, they all could use a... All of them could draft a receiver. Every, la yep. every last one of them. And I don't care that the Saints have Chris Olave. You don't think they want another receiver? 
I don't care that the Indianapolis Colts have Michael Pittman and Josh Downs. You don't think they want to add another receiver to that that room? I'm not saying in the first round or seventh overall, but it's a deep class. You don't think that Troy Franklin would make sense for Anthony Richardson and A.D. Mitchell, a Leggett from, uh, from, from South Carolina, Xavier Leggett? Like, there are a plethora of these guys that are going to be drafted by teams that already have a number one receiver. So this is why for... Uh, there's a cutoff point for me in every rookie draft. It doesn't mean I don't want to have exposure to multiple players, but I'm very realistic about what I'm buying and the potential outcomes of these rookies. All that pie in the sky hope shit for me is kind of out the window, man. It's I'm very I'm paying attention to what the teams are telling us through their moves in free agency, offensive philosophy and scheme. The hopium has has gotten a lot of people in some real bad spots right now in dynasty. Well, and as we wrap up receivers, so if we if we assume that there's going to be, and I think the hype for this receiver class is only going to continue to grow, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, they, it's a good class. You know, it's good between Coleman, Harrison, and Neighbors. You have three guys that are just absolutely smashing this year, and they're going to have everything you're going to want, along with the hype of being top twenty or better picks. So it's like that's not going to change. And then you're going to have some of the back end receivers that slide in that are still getting first round buzz. So this is only going to continue. What are we going to see come March, Ray? Come April, especially when these rookies jump in. You know who's going to fall by default? Two rounds. You know who's going to fall? Stefan Diggs, man. He's just not as good anymore. Oh, yeah. He's going to fall a little bit. 29 year old Stefan Diggs. Oh, yeah, this is a year that he falls off the cliff. And then by the time we get to week six next year and he's 23 points per game, you're going, damn, you know, I wish I would have traded that pick that I selected, Roma Dunze, who's buried on the Jets. And I would have taken that year or two of production with Stefan Diggs. And I think that's just going to continue. Now the names are going to be a year older because it's still going to be Tyreek, Diggs, probably Devontae Adams, given yes. how his season's going this year. I guarantee I can see him coming back and going, I ain't, I'm not going out like this. You know what I mean? Wherever he is next year. So those opportunities are going to be there. And we have these conversations on a weekly basis. Man, Ray, would you give up Jordan Addison in a first for Tyreek Hill? And people are going, yeah, you know what, man, I think I might be able to win the title if I make that deal. And in six months, we're going to be going, damn, Tyreek or Keon Coleman. And it's going to be a debate. People will be going, give me that 105. Give me that 106. You let know, me, and it, we're going to be wrong on a couple of those. Let me let me give you one. Let me give you some and we'll wrap up receiver with here because the last mock that I did see, I saw Keon Coleman, like third overall to the Giants. I saw Malik Neighbors top. 10 to some team inside the top 10 who gets how is the dynasty community let's just say marv goes top five coleman and neighbors go top 15 and then we've got three other receivers that go top 20 i'm just going to say some names and tell me how the community think about how their season has been think about the sentiment around these players right now currently and how people are going to react to these players going into next season with those rookies that just came in Devonte smith What's I think with way, What's with way he's trending here? right now, he'll be behind all four of those okay. guys. Easy. Okay. Let's keep let's 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 go. Chris Olave. I, if he continues how it's been this year, if it's if it's just top twenty four and it's not top twelve, people will push him down. Guaranteed. Okay. All right. We already kind of mentioned I agree with you wholeheartedly. Stefan Diggs, Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup. You already see it right now. Like it it look how quick. He comes back, and it's let's ride Cooper Cup. In two weeks, he's cooked. Cooked. Cooper Cup is cooked. It's, 
I don't know. I don't know. How, how's the community going to feel about 30-year-old Cooper Cup next season? I mean, he was already uh, be, outside the he'll top be, 24. He'll be, outside the, he'll be outside the top 30. Him, I could see him and Adams outside the top 30 if we're jamming okay. in six or seven new receivers. Let me, yes. be, let, me, let me get a little quicker with this. Calvin Ridley. Oh, he's already fallen down the ranks. Michael, outside Michael, the top damn 40. Michael Pittman. Eh, not exciting. Fall. I, again, and these are good players that are producing for us right now. I'm going to just rapid fire some. Christian Kirk, Jerry Judy, Christian Watson, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Hollywood Brown, Drake London, DK Metcalf. How's the community going to feel about those guys if we get six of these young, nice-looking studs inside the first round? Just how, how, How's the community going to feel about those names? Just going to push them you down. Can, you can take about the top. 10 receivers and keep them where they are and then everybody else you just push down like a tier or two like largely that's what's going to happen and there's some inefficiency in there i think that's the whole point of this conversation all right who else we got what else you want to talk about well we got to wrap it up with qbs i mean we got yes. ten, 10 minutes thoughts on the qb class given that and, and i'll give chase and cody credit they did a podcast this summer and we've talked about this a lot we talked about it last week with the quarterback dead zone, right? Mm. There's a lot There's a lot of QB options that if you just want somebody to get you by for a short period of time, they almost have a value that's greater to the team that has them. Okay. Now you're, now you're going to insert, and you said it, other than probably Caleb Williams, Ray, you probably enter, maybe Drake May's a wild card. We don't know where exactly he's going to slot in, but... You probably enter two or three more QBs into that very scary range of you're going to have to pay QB 12 prices in Dynasty for that first round J.J. McCarthy. Mm-hmm. Are you real? Are you really adding to your Dak Prescott to go get J.J. McCarthy like that? But that's going to be the market price if he goes in the top 10, top 15. We don't even know who the QB three is going to be. But let's assume there's two of them that go inside the top 20 besides Caleb and Drake. Those two are going to slot ahead of the majority of that QB dead zone. And you better be right when you're picking that guy in the second round of a startup or you're trading the first plus to get him when there's clear quarterback, quote-unquote, like innings eaters behind him that are just going to fall because they're, well, it's Dak. He's not exciting anymore. Watson, he's not exciting anymore. Yeah, those guys are boring. So let give me the give me Quinn Ewers, give me JJ McCarthy. Yep, yep. And, and and those are not great bets. Those could be the next Zach Wilson or Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield. And yep. it's like, man, we know there's probably a good chance that those guys are in that range. So I do think we're starving for more young QBs, which is going to push them up into that dangerous range where they're very expensive, especially if it is a guy that people like going in. So I don't even know who that could be. If it's if it's Bo Nix or Jaden Daniels, I can see people treating those guys like Will Levis. Ah, man, yes. I don't really like them. But if it's if it's a young early declare like a JJ or a Quinn Ewers, I could see the hype getting to a point where they're just overpriced from the beginning. And until they're bad, they're really never a guy that I want to buy at the the cost that they're going to be going for right off the rip. Yeah, and and that's the thing, man. These. These quarterbacks are dope. Like, I think we're going to get some very good quarterbacks. May, McCarthy, Williams. Those are the big three. Those are the three that I'm confident in right now. I'm not confident in Quinn, Scott. I, I'm i hearing that he may not even declare, right? I don't think Shador is going to declare. I'm not confident in Quinn Ewers even declaring. 
and I know people like Michael Penix, but I just, I'm just not seeing it. I just don't, I'm not buying Michael Penix. That doesn't mean Penix isn't going to get an opportunity to start because that I do think he will get a chance to start at some point. They're saying the stream is uh, down, but we're still recording and going, so we'll post it when we're done. Uh, but I, I am still very much skeptical on Michael Penix. So for me, this, this, this quarterback class combined with the receivers, we didn't touch on the tight ends because, first of all, I know how you kind of navigate the tight end market. But there are two very good tight ends at the top of the class that should be first round picks. Uh, tell me where there's room for the running backs. You got three quarterbacks, six receivers. That's nine. Two tight ends, that's 10-11. You got one spot. And if a Troy Franklin gets drafted in the top of the second, if if A.D. Mitchell goes back of the, you know, Kansas City trades up and they take A.D. Mitchell as the seventh receiver in the first round of the first, he's going to be propelled up. So it, it makes it, I'm excited about this class because I think more so than ever, and I haven't even told you this, Scott, but the reason why I'm so bullish on this class is it's going to put a lot of people's process to the test because it's going to look very different than what we're accustomed to with having the stud running backs, having these locked and loaded, we know how many quarterbacks. It's going to be a very different process in general. Yeah, and the fact that there's already a lot of hype for the class, I mean, it's, I think at this point, it's actually exceeded where 2023 was at this time. By the time we got to this point, 2023 was still exciting, but I knew last year about midway through the 2023 season that the class was not going to be what people thought it was going to be. You know what? I mean, I, I remember I'm guilty of it saying, man, every one of those 2023 firsts is going to have buku value, you know, mm -hmm. and you kind of knew halfway through that wasn't going to be the case. So I think we're heading there with this class, but I do think we need to be careful with it's. I'll just say this. The dynasty landscape right now is obsessed with wide receivers. They are obsessed with quarterbacks. Quarterbacks have, there's more good quarterbacks today in the NFL, but I think it also leads to people kind of hoarding QBs that are not good. And they go, man, if I have innings eater QBs, guys like Geno Smith or Derek Carr, like I just can't move them unless I get a QB back. And we talked about that last week where that's probably a flawed process if you're holding on to a bunch of those guys. But people are ready for, more good young quarterbacks. You know, we just assume every year it's Bryce Young, it's CJ Stroud, it's Anthony Richardson. There's three top five QBs that immediately are top 15 dynasty assets off the rip. And we just think that's every single class. Mm -hmm. And then when it's not, we go, man, yeah, we should have probably tempered our expectations a little bit with Bo Nix and yes. Michael Penix or whoever yes. the names are. Yes. So yes. I do think we're we're setting ourselves up for rookie drafts where it's QB, receiver, receiver, QB, receiver, 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 QB, Brock Bowers, maybe another QB, couple more receivers. Oh, man, it's the 206. I'll take the first running back off the board. And I know that's a little extreme. There'll probably be one or two that jump in there. But yes, in, in a lot of our leagues where we know everybody hates running backs, you're, you're going to kind of play chicken with other people, right? I ain't taking yes. the running back, Ray. I'm taking the first round receiver. I'm not taking a running back, Ray. I'm taking J.J. McCarthy. Even if I don't even like him, we're going to get stuck in the trap of it's a first-round QB, I have to take him. I have to take him here in the startup because if I miss, I'm never going to be able to get him again. But the reality is some of the receivers are going to miss. Some of the receivers are going to go in spots where you go, man, that guy should have never been valued where he was because it's going to be hard to see a path. So I think we're just going to get – we're going to get ahead of ourselves and take it to an extreme to where – 
the process, you're going to be at a point next year where I think you're going to go, we need to stop, reset. Maybe we should start going back towards actually analyzing these prospects versus yes. just chasing the positions. Well, let me put you to the test before we get out of here. And you didn't know I was going to ask this, but I know your glowing disdain for rookie tight ends. I know this. I know this. But given the way that you've seen the dynasty market react to Dalton Kincaid, to Michael Mayer, who did who hadn't even done a tenth of what Sam Laporta or Kincaid did, but look at how the community has reacted to Mayer, Kincaid, Laporta, even Luke Musgrave, and he's done nothing either. Let's say we get a Jatavian Sanders back of the first round, right? Back of the first round. I don't care what spot he goes to. It doesn't matter. Dallas, Cincinnati, I don't give a shit. First round pick, Jatavian Sanders. I'm not asking about Brock Bowers. I'm asking about JT in particular. And then you get a running back that sneaks into the end of the second round, whether that be Benson, Corum, whomever it is. Given the way that the market has reacted to young tight ends, and we, you and I both are like uh, outside of tight end heavy names, like leagues, I don't want a tight end in the first round. I'm not wasting blasting a first rounder at a tight end. Has your process or thought on that changed at all, given the way the market is reacting to young tight ends in, in Dynasty? Yes, from a, and it's crazy that I'm saying this two years after, you know, I've, I've done all my tight end research and go, <laughs> man, I don't really want to bet on rookie right. tight ends. I'm actually more apt to be willing to draft a guy like Bowers with the thought of he's going to be my starting productive tight end for the year versus I still don't think you draft tight ends to be dynasty assets because you can, you can gloat all day, all night that you got Dalton Kincaid or Sam Laporta right now. But do they really move the needle when you go try to move them for a receiver or a quarterback or draft picks? You know, they kind of feel like they're still just, they're good for the person that has them until you try to include them in a trade, especially if it's a league where tight end isn't seen to matter that much. I'm not drafting them for the asset value. But I think we're in a range now where you can start saying, Ray, if it's a rookie tight end that's in a good situation that has a profile that you like, I don't think it's out of bounds to say I'm drafting that guy to be my starter. Hmm. I'm drafting next year's Michael Mayer to be my starter. And before, I'd have told you you're crazy. There's no way those types of players are going to be able to produce right away. Right. Until now, we see half the tight ends producing in the NFL are rookies or sophomores. So I think it's a league that's willing to give those guys chances quicker, but that doesn't mean I'm loading up on them so I can go, man, I got five good tight ends. I can't wait till the league has to come through me to get them. And then they go, nah. I'll just stream Hunter Henry. I don't need. I don't need to pay for that <laughs> yeah. Dalton Kincaid. So you, you don't want to do it for an asset, but for a, I need production. I think it's yes. it's a valid strategy now. All right, Scott. Good show tonight. I don't know what 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 went on with the stream. I mean, we're still rolling, but everybody says that it uh, that it died on them. But we're still live. We're still rolling. So we'll wrap this up. Make sure that we post it. Everybody was saying, "Man, I wanted to hear what they were going to say." I think this was a good conversation. Let's just get it posted, man. Shit happens. It is what it is. Appreciate you being here, Connor. Go ahead and wrap us up. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll get this posted uh, podcast, too. It'll jump out on yeah. the, uh, the Wake Up feed. So people can listen to the last 15 minutes if they didn't get to see it live. Uh, join Ray in the Discord. He'll have Gene coming on uh, off the line. I'm, I'm excited for that conversation too. because we don't get to hear a lot of dynasty strategy. And I want you to push a little bit of this uh this stuff on Gene and just kind of get some of his thoughts. Cause I've watched him operate. I've seen him make moves. I know he's capable of thinking through some deals and I don't know if people really give him enough credit. So I'm excited to hear him on the AMA. So jump in the discord. 
Uh, DestinationDevy.com, if you don't have access, sign up, but you can also get access to that on a private pod feed if you're in there. Uh, but yeah, jump in there. Ray's on there with Gene. They'll do another hour uh, talking about whatever, so jump in there. Good show. I think we need to do another 2024 class show, probably yes. like the end of this season, yes. to go through some of these same topics because there's more to come. But good show tonight. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate y'all. Be chill, y'all.